1: ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it is not the least weekender no 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 we have a friend with us tonight it's jim Beringer from full press hockey what's going on my guy
0: well, my guy what's going on How you doing today? You gotta be you gotta be thrilled after the performance by your boys this weekend.
1: Very impressed by the Maple Leafs picking up four points and listening to the alternate fan bases cry about the fact the Maple Leafs play both teams on edges of back to backs, quick turnarounds, and I'm just saying, hey, guess what? The Leafs also get a week off when they come back to North America. So they get all the time in the world to rest up, heal up, and get things done. But before we jump any further, I want to pay a little homage to our sponsor of the show, Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Go check out their fisticuffs over the holidays. It's an absolute great beer for the holiday season. Check out Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Shout out to them. But before we get into any Leaf-related topics or anything like that around the global series, there's something serious that happened around the hockey world, and it's the Milan Lucic incident. And I'm going to leave it at that. It's domestic violence, so there's a trigger warning right here. We're going to talk about it for just a second. If you're using this as your vehicle to dunk on Boston Bruins fans or the Boston Bruins organization, you need to look yourself in the mirror, give your head a shake because your goddamn eyes are stuck. It's ridiculous that you would use this man's downfall, his family's downfall, and then of course, whatever's happened in that situation, we don't know the whole details, but if you're using that as your vehicle to bash on a team and bash on a the rest of the Bruins players, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Do you know that someone in this situation, maybe multiple people are really going to be hurt and up by this situation for a long, long time? And you're using this as your vehicle to, hey, this is what the Bruins are all about. This is how the Bruins go. No, it's not. No one condones this shit. No one accepts that. No one thinks it's okay. So park that put it back where it was, your biscuits aren't done, turn the oven back on, and go sit and watch some TV because you're out to lunch.
0: Really out to lunch on this situation. Truly out to lunch. Again, it's an incident. We really don't know too much about it. Let it be. But if you're dunking on a team because you don't like them, you're saying this is what they're all about. No way, man. I see all these clips that come out, old clips from years ago about Luch's things. Look, the organization says – they're with Lucic. They're going to get him the help that he needs. We we don't know the whole story, but don't use it as a way to just dunk on them. Look, you got to respect what they're doing. you got to respect that team. Just leave it at be. All right, so you don't like that team? Don't use this as a catalyst. Just keep it to hockey. You don't like the hit that somebody did in a game? Okay, keep it to hockey. Don't bring this in here because I guarantee you somebody else in this world is going through the same thing. And that's not right. You can't do that. Leave it to the side. Go put it back in the kitchen. Wherever you want to put it, leave it there. But if you want to stick to hockey, you want to talk about the Bruins on the ice, oh, you don't think McAvoy with the hit, this guy on this. All right, fine. We can have that discussion. But to say that paints the whole Bruins organization in that, let me tell you something. I've been around that organization. I know some people in that organization. That's not what they stand for. They're going to get this guy the help that he needs.
1: And furthermore, if you are a person in a situation such as being detailed here, we're not going to go delving into it. But if you need help, reach out. Call someone. Start that phone call. Start that process. And start figuring out how to move yourself away from that situation. But And it's never easy to do this, but we're going to pivot out of that one right there. And we're going to talk about the global series that just wrapped up in Sweden. My Maple Leafs winning both games. Looking all right. Willie looking like the king he is. Throw the Trey Kroner on his head because that man has been triple kinged over there. But what did you think of the Global Series as a whole, the presentation, the way the NHL did it? I have one big beef, but we'll talk about the good first. What did you think of it?
0: I loved it. I thought these games were great. I thought this was awesome. Get a little afternoon hockey on a Thursday, on a Friday. Late morning hockey on a Saturday. Real early morning hockey on a Sunday. But you know what? Look, all the teams had some ties to their home country. The boys, like Lucas Raymond, showed up for Detroit, getting a couple of goals. William Nylander, man, this guy was put out there by Toronto to do all this stuff for the Maple Leafs in Sweden. All this guy does is perform. I put it on my Twitter. I know some people like gave me some business saying, how oh, can you say Nylander's the best player on the team? I'm like, bro, I watched him. I've watched a ton of Maple Leafs games. I've seen him live. He's the best player on the ice, and he did it again. I think he went home with five points. This guy's ridiculous. He's unbelievable. Hometown king. Minnesota played well. Detroit played well. And you want to talk about You said it off the top. Oh, and the Maple Leafs playing teams on back-to-back. You know they had to work against Detroit to come back, right? I mean, Detroit was up 2-0 in the third period. The Minnesota game wasn't a cakewalk. That went to overtime. So those teams were playing for something, too. They they just didn't roll over because it's the Maple Leafs. And the presentation was really good. I love the player, the um, the NHLPA Player Award after the Game Player of the Game Award. Just really good, really great presentation. Seeing, like, Nicholas Lindstrom there, Barja Salmink's son. Just all these greatest Swedish hockey players on hand. And I love the building that they were in. It was really good. I thought they did a really good job with this. And I expect more games down the line in Europe.
1: Well, this was the, uh, the 16th game played in Sweden so far by the NHL. So by and far, the most games they've played uh, anywhere in the world other than uh, North America, of course. They played in London. Uh, Austin Matthews with the quip, it'd be nice to play at home, meaning Mexico City. How cool would that be? Try to figure that one out. You know, there'd be definitely a celebration there. Um, I don't know how many players of Mexican heritage there are in the NHL outside of Austin Matthews that are well-known right at this moment, but uh, I bet you a lot of people brushing up right now on where they are on their 23andMe's and trying to put that on the map to say, hey, Austin, we're with you. Let's do this because uh, you know that will be a thing that leads to something. The only gripe I had about the the, the Global Series was is it was blacked out almost everywhere. You had to have the basically NHL network or whatever it's called, the equivalent center ice or whatever they call NHL plus now uh, to watch these games. I'm used to it on the East coast. All my Maple Leaf games are pretty much blacked out unless it's a national broadcast. So I don't get to see half the games. I have to find an alternate stream site and be able to watch much like I had to do for the global series. And a lot of people in Ontario were saying the same thing. How do you grow the game? By not allowing people to watch it. I don't understand that. And same thing. The NFL just went over and did things in Germany. And Frankfurt. And everybody could see that game. Heck they even broadcast it as a kids game. With Toy Story characters. For crying out loud for the young ones. So this seems like a very large missed opportunity For the NHL who is promoting game growth and international footprint growth by blocking it out and not allowing some markets not to view these games. It doesn't make sense to me at all. These should have been able to be seen by everyone on every network, regardless of the deal signed. It should be basically an international broadcast. It should be like the Olympics. You should get to see it because it's a special event. That is my one big gripe
0: about this. I mean, I don't have a gri- – I mean, look, I agree with that gripe. I mean, I've seen it all over X, twitter Guys are saying, hey, game's blacked out in my region, can't see it. And I'm like, well, I can see it because I have NHL Network. So, it, you know, it doesn't – you know, it didn't really affect me. But I can totally understand it because you see it down here too with ESPN Plus with the national games. If teams are – if your team's playing on ESPN Plus and you're regional, you don't get the game. Like, you just don't get it. It's blacked out, which is, again – I think we need to get rid of these blackouts. I agree with you. This is so dumb. I mean, it's a national realistically these global series games, these these preseason games when they go when they're going to go up to Quebec City for games, when they were down in Austria, those are international events. Those should be on television. Let everybody see it. Roll the game. Again, Sweden, we should be able to get those games. You know, you see the World Juniors when they're overseas, they're not blacked out. You get to see that stuff. I totally agree. I mean, you should be able to watch your team without going through a stream site. You got to get this package, that package. If you really want to grow the game, you got to be able to make it available to everybody. Even, you know, even if somebody's in Ontario. Yeah, your Leafs are playing. You get to watch that. You're all the way out in Vancouver. You're up another province. Like, you should be able to watch the game, not be blacked out.
1: It shouldn't be blacked out. The big thing for me is, okay, I get it maybe for regular season games with the regional viewing restrictions and all that stuff. Okay, I get that. But this is a special event. You're not impeding on the Montreal Canadiens while someone's in Sweden. No. Everybody wants to see what's happening in Sweden. Doesn't matter. You want to see what's going on there. So I just found it really weird that the NHL wouldn't take that proactive step and doing that. And they should have done something maybe. They have the partnership with ESPN much like the NFL does. They should have did some fun digital game. They've done it before. And really just ramp it up and get everybody involved. And, man, you could have brought in some of the, uh, the Swedish alumni in on the, uh, the, the children's broadcast side of things and had some fun. But they really did. I'll give them credit where credit is due. They brought in a lot of previous NHLers and really got them involved with everything. You see Daniel Alfredson on the Oof. senator's bench. You see Matt Sundino to practice. You see all kinds of different guys in the stands giving interviews, getting hyped up, hyping this up, talking about the players. Of course, you see Michael Nylander pumping it up for his son. But they did that well. And the Da Vinci, the globe that they played in, that was absolutely awesome. What a beautiful sight to see. But, um, yeah, the one missed opportunity to me was like, man, you could have really took this from here to here. Very easily, and it probably would have been just a couple clicks of a mouse and a signature, and you're done with it, and really ratcheted it up.
0: I, I agree with you. I mean, look, we we you you heard about the frozen friend uh, frozen frenzy down here on ESPN. Oh yeah, they had it the I one night. I was in the
1: state when it happened. I was right. in Florida.
0: Like that was a great night. You you had it with all 16 teams. You know, 16 games, 32 teams are playing, but they there were again. There's some missed opportunities along the way when we had election day here in the states. No NBA was on. There were 14 games that night. Like, you should have been, that should have been a night where we have this thing going. Get more eyeballs on a product. But again, I think we're all learning, but I think we could have sent an ESPN crew over there, maybe send a TNT. Even if you want to just throw it, you know, Sportsnet simulcast something over there. Like, just put it national, CBC even. Like, put it up because people want to see this stuff. People want to see, they're like, oh, international hockey. Oh, it's at 11 o'clock. Oh, it's not at, some random time in the morning, like 4 a.m. Oh, I get to watch it. Kids get to watch it. Like that's the big thing. Kids are going to be able to get to watch it. Eight o'clock, 11 o'clock, 2 p.m. Like you want it, you want everybody to watch this thing, get more eyeballs on it. And again, I, again, regional contracts, all this stuff, but I don't think anybody's going to care. The Canadians aren't going to care. The jets aren't going to care. Like all this stuff, nobody's going to care. International hockey, you're overseas. You want people to see it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, some other things that have come out late recently is the dislike from the NHL about the overtime and ragging the puck and just the invent of how to change this and make it more exciting. For me, three-on-three three is already good enough. I like it. And there's already enough chances, and there's already enough excitement and ways to win the game. Hello, William Nylander today. In Sweden, by the way, going coast to coast. So there already is excitement. I understand the want – for the basically what's called the backcourt violation. So you can't skate back through zones, and you have to keep the puck in a certain area. The side of it I don't like is the fact that they want to as well incorporate some sort of shot clock. So teams really just can't, let's just say, hog possession, because there are teams that are really good on the cycle and can just play keep away, even three-on-three, in the defensive zone, no problem and just keep that puck to themselves, or even in the offensive zone, same way, and cycle it around the offensive zone and not allow the other team to touch the puck. So if you have a shot clock, it opens another can of worms. Now you could just say, when the clock stops, that's it, but there's going to be teams, and there's going to be pushback from GMs that are going to say, well, let's make it even more exciting, because how exciting would it be if a guy launches a shot just as the shot clock is about to end, like in basketball, And that puck, just like Kawhi Leonard did with the Raptors, is fluttering and all of a sudden it hits this, banks off that, and it goes in and the shot clock is... And it still counts because the shot was released before the clock went to zero. That gives you those Kawhi Leonard moments in the uh, the NBA, which is what people will say. For me, I'm like, this just adds another point of review, another point of a problem where if they get it right, it's great. Or if they get it wrong, it's bad because it also could implicate a team making or not making the playoffs based on points in the overtime, which is just to me, opening worms that you don't need to. Cause no, no matter what you do. And you can agree with me, Jim, no matter what you do with overtime, coaches will find a way to overcoach it. Period. If you implement these rules, they will be found out and figured out quickly And it'll be overcoached yet again because you'll use something like the lacrosse change. Guys will be waiting at the end of the bench. As soon as that zone entry happens, Buddy will run off the end of that bench like on lacrosse and be back off. Vice versa, Buddy will be waiting on the other side to run off and go down to the defensive zone. You'll just have things set up and ready for when this happens.
0: I 100% agree with you. I mean, look, we're we're overcomplicating this thing, right? Three-on-three is fine. I get it, you know, okay, the cycling, the possession. Hockey's a possession game. If I have the puck, that means you don't have the puck, and you can't score, and I can score. That's the point. And by the way, a lot of games are still ending in three-on-three. It's not like we're going to the shootout all the time here. We're not going to the shootout all the time, okay? Look, I understand, like, the optics are bad. You see it early on. Teams are going to figure it out. The problem is coaches have figured it out, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, Three-on-three, three, okay. Well, before we are playing more of a zone kind of triangle. Now we're playing man-on-man. Man. We're sticking with a guy. We have to do... You said it today. William Nylander went coast-to-coast coast by himself. It, here's another problem, too. The same guys are always out five-on-five. Five. So the, the line changes, they're the same guys, and they're tired by the end of five minutes. If you look at some of the other leagues, I, I think they reached out to like the BCHL or something, BHL. They go to 10 minutes, but they're using more of their bench. So when their star players come back around, they're not as tired and the game's over because they're they're fresh and they've rested for a minute, minute and a half, and they're ready to rock and roll. To me, the simple fix is 10 minutes. No more. They don't want whistles. They don't want shot. I mean, look, the shot clock, whatever. It just opens up a can of worms for more review that we do not need. We don't need it. The offside review is bad enough. And thank God we're finally putting a plane in place because, I mean, the skate, this thing, like that was ridiculous. That The Matthew Shane thing was so over the top. We knew it was offside, but now we got to get this minute fraction. Your skate's just over. Okay, now it's offside. Okay, fine. You're going to know the same thing exactly what's going to happen with this shot clock thing. Just go to 10 minutes. It's not hard. And if you don't want to go to 10 minutes, here's an even better idea. You play it like it's the all-star game. Since it's a gimmick anyway and it's not real hockey, play yep. a five-minute period. Okay? Play a five-minute period, but no face-offs. If a goal goes in, just take it out shinny style and play until there's a winner.
1: That uh, arcade style is never a bad idea. You'll never get the, the gripe out of me. But, yeah, move it up to 10 minutes. Make it more interesting, more fun. Here's the other thing, though. I don't mind bringing back ties. Neither do I. It was it was something that wasn't broken, but they wanted to fix it. So, I mean, a tie game was never exciting, but if you still go to three-on-three three overtime and there's no winner, cool, I don't need to see a skills competition at the end of it. As much as we still love when our team wins one, I'm never a fan of going into one, no matter what the result is. I always would rather see more overtime, but we'll see what the NHL does with this. They'll float pilot balloons throughout the summer, with different leagues and maybe the AHL starts with things first, but it does seem like there are going to be changes coming for next season, regardless of what teams like and don't like. So kind of sucks, but it is what it is at the end of the day, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, the shootout is the shootout. It's a skills competition, but here's the thing with the shootout. It doesn't really matter because I look at it this way. When it comes down to like a tiebreaker, it's wins and regulation. It's your shootout wins. Don't matter. Like, no. oh, yeah, I got all these points, but if I'm tied and I have – and say my team has 18 shootout wins and your team has 15 shootout well, I'm not in the playoffs because th- those wins don't count, right? Like,
1: well, You have to be ahead in points or you have to have the tiebreaker, and they made the tiebreaker completely something different. Now, if they move the tiebreaker to shootouts, then lots of teams will be pooched. Let's just say yeah, how much.
0: Exactly, and for me, <laughs> before we get off this topic – there's an easy fix besides this. If you if we're not going to go to 10 minutes and these guys don't want to play more, more hockey, fine. You know what the simple answer is besides getting the tie back and bringing that back? Simple. You want to play for – you want to make wins matter? You want to make regulation wins matter? Three, two, one. It's that simple. Yep. It is that simple.
1: All right. Well, let's do a quick one here. Most shocking team, good or Ooh. bad, this season for you. Who is it and Why?
0: I got to go with the Flyers, to be honest. The Philadelphia Flyers, they're, they're continuing to roll right now. They just won their fifth straight game today. I just want to
1: point out, does everyone remember on X in the offseason when I said I think the Flyers will surprise a lot of people? And boy, oh boy, did I get rained on for it. And I said, watch. This team, for some reason, I got an inkling with Couturier coming back and certain pieces feeling like they're ready to roll. This team. You might have something cooking, and they got something cooking.
0: Look, Flyers for me, you know, Bobby Brinks looked good. Katuriya, you mentioned it. He's healthy. Cam Atkinson's healthy. Um, you know, you got Owen Tippett picking up where he left off. Carter Hart's looking like himself. I think John is allowing these guys to play a more offensive-minded system too. So that is really good. I know they still play that defense, still play hard to play against. But the Flyers are probably a little bit ahead of schedule right now, and that's a good thing.
1: Let me tell you this one. One team that really surprised the breaks off me. Well, I agree with the Flyers fullheartedly. They would have been my first pick. For me, it's the Vancouver Canucks, a team that was in such disarray last year. And I know they've lost a couple in a row right now. But they are a team that has players leading in lots of statistical categories. They also look like a cohesive unit. They're figuring it out. They're getting depth scoring, timely scoring. Their big guns are playing. Hello, Elias Pedersen, what's going on? Um, you know, Quinn Hughes stepping up, doing his thing. The goaltending, Demko looking good. Hey, who would have thought the backup goaltender from Pittsburgh swinging in, Casey to Smith and looking pretty good in Vancouver. You know what I mean? I'm just saying nobody would have thought all of these things after the turmoil they had last year would click the way that it has, including one, JT, I'm hard on myself, Miller.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I mean, I you know, I was really impressed with Casey Dismiss game last year, even though he did he struggled. But he got his game going in the World Championships for Team USA, and I think that really helped him going into this season. And look, Vancouver, very shocky, throw Anaheim in there, for, but I agree. I think for me it's the Flyers, but Vancouver, I definitely agree with two out in the West.
1: For sure. Well, we'll move on to the team du jour, the jersey behind me, the logo on my head. We'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the one big topic right now is John Klingberg. And I say this because I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, and a lot of people saying I'm a conspiracy nut to throw on my tinfoil hat. But usually where there's smoke, there's fire. John Klingberg had double hip surgery early in his career. Now he's with the Maple Leafs. He's unable to go. He's unable to play. He turns around, plays a Saturday night, flies to Sweden, cannot practice, practices for about probably 10 minutes and gets off the ice. And the big thing to me that nobody's really, or nobody was talking about, was the fact he is home in Sweden and he's not going to be able to play a game. And everybody doesn't really raise a red flag with that. Excuse me, it's Sweden. It's once in a lifetime. He's there. He should play. He's not. So that tells me right there, there's no tinfoil hat here. He's actually hurt. And this guy probably will end up on the LTIR for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know everybody's going to say, oh great, look at them getting another $4.1 million in cap space because John Klingberg's now on the LTIR. Well, it sucks because we probably would rather have the good Dallas stars, John Klingberg, on our squad and racking up some points with Mo Riley. But I think he's actually hurt, man. I think this guy actually is going to be on the LTIR, and it will allow the Leafs some flexibility to make some moves. But I don't know, man. I want to know your thoughts here. Is it uh, just greasy moves by the Leafs, or is Klingberg actually uh, hurt here?
0: Look, he did. I mean, he played in Vancouver. I was at that Saturday night game. I was very shocked to see him play, considering he didn't play the night before. And they said he was hurt, and he wasn't going to play. And then all of a sudden he played. And then he didn't play here. I think he's legitimately hurt. And yeah, I mean, look, it stinks that he's going to go on to LTIR. And you got to look back at this. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, But man, what a different story it is if he signs that eight times eight deal in Dallas that he got and didn't yeah, test the oof. free agency market. I mean, he misread that hand. But look, it stinks. He's a good defenseman. He was really good in Dallas. Unfortunately, he's not finding his game here. And if he's hurt, hey, look, the, the, the Maple Leafs got some cap space. He's going to join Matt Murray uh, on Robita Island. Uh, I mean, that island's got a lot of hotels, a lot of suites there. I mean, we joke aside. I mean, it's you know, it stinks that that place exists. But, hey, you know what? A guy usually going home means they're going to play. He doesn't play. I don't think we're going to see him the rest of the season, to be honest.
1: No, if he can't get ready to play over in Sweden, I mean, especially with the time off. they didn't, They played Saturday. They didn't play again till Friday. They said, we're going to hold you out Sunday. Of course, he doesn't play at all. They say that the plane ride over was a detriment. It really hurt him. Um, they've been trying all kinds of different treatments and things like that. I, I, You know, even a token appearance today as a bottom pair guy, five minutes maybe, you'd think that he'd get on the ice if he could, and he didn't. And that, to me, just puts up the ultimate flag that, by the time they get back to North America, probably by Tuesday at the latest, they'll have some news about it. And the Leafs will make corresponding moves to get him as close or get themselves as close as they can to the cap to be able to you know, make the maneuvers they want to make. And we'll talk about some of that here in just a minute. But uh, some of the new guys are starting to find their footing with this squad as well. Outside of John Klingberg, uh, Domi's looking good on that third line, finding some chemistry with Nick Robertson and uh, Cali Crook as uh, Matt Sandino (laughs) did uh, when we were over in Sweden, so we'll use that. And then uh, Bertuzzi, absolutely looking like he's starting to to find a swagger. And I'll say this, Leafs Nation, the passion and excitement that he exuded on that goal from Tavares, jumping into his arms like the hop-skip puppy that we know, he was so excited, man. And I love to see it, but these new guys are starting to really fit into this lineup, and I'm loving it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it took some time. It usually does a little bit of, of an of adjustment. It always takes time for an adjustment for new guys to come in and and get used to understanding what the system is. But the fact that Bertuzzi goes with Nylander and Tavares, that really has helped his game. And, of course, we know what Willie's doing. I mean, the guy's just, just a stud. 17-game boys' streak to begin the year. But the fact that you have Domi now clicking on that third line, he started to get going with Nyes in that Tampa game a couple of weeks ago. He yeah. started to get his game going, and he's getting feisty. I mean, he had an instigator and in a fight in Vancouver. He's looking good right now. They're turning into the guys that everybody expected them to be. It just took a little bit. Okay, so what? It took 10, 15 games. That's okay. You know, hey, it happens. But I'm, I'm loving what they're bringing to this team. And then you got Nyes up on that top line with the Matthews and Marner. That's beautiful chemistry, these guys, what they're doing. I'm loving these young guys. And I always was a fan of Bertuzzi, and I thought the signing was good. Yeah, it may not have worked out early on. They just got to find his role. And now that they've put him on that second line, or you, you could say it's a first line too because the way Nylander Tavares are playing. Yeah. I think, he's pl- I think he's playing some of his best hockey right now since his days with Boston last year.
1: Yeah, no, he's starting to roll. And there was a couple of teammates, and I forget who said it. They said it takes him about 20 games to get rolling. We're about at that mark now. And he's starting to, to leave his mark here on the Maple Leafs. And I know that Domi hasn't scored a goal yet other than in the shootout. Hello, shootout again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he does have, what, now 10 assists. He's not looking too shabby. Uh, he's set up Robertson. You know, Yarn Crook is looking good with him too. So I'm liking what I'm seeing. You know, the returns now are starting to add up. Matthew Nyes, though, for me, I picked him as a dark horse for a Calder nomination. The reason why I did that is because I knew eventually he'd be up on one of the two top lines because he's a dog on the puck. He plays well on the boards. He's good at stripping guys, but he's also smart defensively. And I do think that will lead to more time on the penalty kill for the kid, which will give him more of an opportunity to really rank himself up. The, uh, the old Calder rankings. I know Connor Bedard is probably going to run away with it, but even still, if he can get his name on the ballot as one of the other two spots, it shows you you got a pretty good young guy on your team, which for the Maple Leafs who need cost-effective good forwards, what a steal, man!
0: What a steal! Oh, I, I love Matthew. Nye. I saw him play last year at the Garden against the Rangers. That was Joseph, Joseph Wall was playing there too. Uh, I just love those two kids. Those guys are unbelievable. Always want to keep my eye on them. And I gotta say, you know, you know, we talk about we talked about Klingberg. I mean, I was impressed with their fourth line. Uh, the Maple Leafs with Camp, Gregor, and Bobby McCann. Uh, last week, Bobby McMahon. You know Bobby they McMahon, played. McMahon, yep. Yeah, they played really well against Vancouver. The zone time, the goals, and that led to me saying, "Hey, maybe Ryan Reeves is never going to see this lineup again."
1: <laughs> the only way I think Ryan Reeves sees the lineup is that there's another team that packs a sort of heavyweight kind of guy who not only drops the mitts but just is physical. And maybe they get him out there to spark him up to finally get him rolling. Because it really, it feels like Wayne Simmons 2.0. Because Simmons came in, was fired up the first few games, fought a couple times, got the wrist injury with the puck, and never was the same with the bravado on the ice. He would bark at guys, but there wouldn't be a whole lot of mixing it up. So now I'm thinking, hey, maybe Ryan Reeves just needs to get his uh, his spirit back and steal somebody's soul with a big fight and... He'll get himself rolling.
0: Well, I mean, look what Giordano does. I mean, this guy, 40 years old, throwing the mitts down. Oh, man. We call him the
1: eagle now, man.
0: Every time he goes after somebody, he's like,
1: ah! He's always jumping (laughs) from the sky.
0: I was joking with somebody. I said he's going to need those 17 uh, 17 minutes just to rest to get his breath back after that fight. (laughs) But, you know, Man, Giordano's like, yeah,
1: good. Joshua was like, one minute, one minute. Let it, let's keep going. And then Giordano just clocked them.
0: Yeah, and he's like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, Yo, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks Old for Matt playing. Frank wins. Yep. No, yeah, no, but very impressed with their D, very impressed with their forward group. Toronto's starting to, you know, early on you said, okay, let's see what this Sweden trip's all about for Toronto because, hey, we're lucky to be at the record that we were at. Now we're starting to see this Maple Leafs team, the team that everybody expected them to be at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah, well, they're what in their last six, they're five and one, so they're starting to roll. They had a four-game losing streak before that, so they've turned the corner in the right way here, and that's in big thanks to the goaltending, uh, Samsonov and Wool. Both, you know, Wool today letting up a couple of soft goals. It is what it is. You're in what happens if you get back to North American soil, but Samsonov really turned his game around. Obviously, back-to-back games allowing only two goals, which is great for the Maple Leafs defense and the goaltending as a whole, but I've always liked Sonar's game. That's what I call him. For Samsonov, I say he's Sonar because he's always tracking the puck well, but uh, this season he started off a little rough, but he's starting to get a little uh, rounded back to smooth edges for him. And then Joe Wool, obviously he's a young guy, so you got to take the good with the bad with him. He's going to have his ups and downs as he figures out the rigors of a full 82-game backup kind of schedule, which is – People say 1A, 1B. I say it's more 1 and 2. Wool will get the spot starts when Samsonov isn't rolling. But when Sammy is rolling, they'll be putting him in the net for sure.
0: I agree with that. I mean, I think Samsonov's really turned things around. Uh, You know, look, some of his tracking, he may over-track a little bit, open up his, you know, glove a little bit more, his shoulders – The net might be a little bit open more. But he's really compacted his game, kept the rebounds close to him, eating a lot of things. Wall has really looked good, too. They were able to get some wins. Look, it's more, you know, everybody blames goaltending. Hey, got to stop this one, got to stop that one. But sometimes the defenseman's got to move the guy out of the way, too. Easy rebound goals. Goalies are expecting your D to do some things. But I, you know what, I liked what Samsonov's done. He's more controlled now. And you want that. You need Samson off to take off because you, you went through arbitration, gave him that deal. You need him to take off because he's still really proving himself because he had split time with check down in Washington. But yep. I think he was the guy you signed him for a reason. You want him to be that guy. Joel Wall, you want to develop more and to be that guy later on.
1: Yeah. Well, I think they got another guy too, that they want to be with Joel Wall once Sammy moves on and the- That's uh, Dennis Hildeby, the Hildebeest. who's really starting to turn it on the minors. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, no, I fully agree with you. You definitely need Sammy to turn up the heat, turn it on, keep rolling, and have Joel Wool come in and just give Sammy those nights off that he needs, and we'll see what happens for there. But the one thing I want to see what happens now, there's been so much about this. Apparently the deal is already done. Apparently this has already happened, and we just need the Leafs to get back home before they can basically consummate the deal. And that is Tanev, and that is Zadorov from the Calgary Flames. Apparently, they're already Maple Leafs, and we just don't know it yet. And I thought it was funny listening to Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast. They had Tanev on, and before they had him on, Elliot Friedman said we wanted to get this interview out before he wasn't a Flame anymore. And I'm like, what are you even saying right now? Like, there is no deal done. So why is why is everyone rushing to this conclusion? that the Leafs have already magically got Tanev and Zadorov on their team, and it's just waiting for them to get back, and Calgary can't wait to just give these players to the Maple Leafs. I'm, I'm of the belief something will happen. Brad Living does want to address his blue line. He does want to add to it, but let's not count out guys like Simone Benoit and Lagesson, who've really looked good on the back end for the Maple Leafs, has young, cheap talent. That really costs you nothing but a roster spot and a league minimum contract that you don't have to pay anyone to retain on. They're your guys. So I don't understand the rush to this for one. And for two, I don't know why Calgary would rush either. When when you get closer to trade deadline, teams pony up a lot more.
0: They do. Tanev's name's out there. We know Doros name's out there. Hannafin's name's out there. I mean, heck, Zadorov basically requested a trade to Toronto the Friday night that the Flames played in Toronto. He's like, "Yeah, we don't want. To, I don't want to be here no more. I want to play in Toronto." Okay, I, you know, guys want to play in Toronto. It's all well and good, but again, we've talked about it. The Maple Leafs are up against the cap. A, B, they still got to rearrange things. So, I mean, look, things get easier if and when most likely when Klingberg goes on LTIR. So that'll open up your $4.1 which will bring Zadoroff in at 3.5. But you can't bring both guys in. It's impossible. There's no, Unless a rostered player goes, equivalent to those guys.
1: Well, the only way that you can do that is if you get Calgary to retain 50% on both guys, which right. is going to cost you a steep asset. That's to going to cost a you a first-round
0: pick, at least.
1: Or Frazier-Minton. Just right. putting it out there, everybody's saying you know he's untouchable, but if you want a team to a retain, b give you both players, and c a lot of people saying, "Well, we want to we want an extension for Zadorov." All three of those things cost assets for you to allow a to get the retention, b to get the player, and c the rights before the trade happened to negotiate a new deal.
0: Yes, and that's a lot to ask. And I don't know if Brad Trey Living really wants to do that and oh by the way you know before we even talk about Zdorov getting an extension William Nylander still needs his extension so I think William Nylander's a priority over defenseman right now and I knew they need to address it but like you said you have this homegrown talent do you want to mess with the room do you you got to find the right pieces that come in there that's what we've seen the Bruins do hey we acquire this guy but well, this guy works out so we're going to extend him oh but this guy doesn't work out so we're not going to extend him Yep. I think they're rolling right now. And I said it last year. I didn't understand moving Rasmus Sandin for Eric Gustafson as, as an outsider, because I thought Sandin was coming along perfectly for this Maple Leafs team. Plus he was going to be cheap, right? You were, were going to, he was yep. not going to cost you a lot going forward right now. He looked anyway, good, right look good right now. But like you said, Benoit Laguson looking really good. They're cheap. They're, they cost you nothing Again, nobody's looking to rush any deals right now. I don't think the flames are looking to do anything. They're playing a lot better. I, I'm not sure they're willing to move those guys right now either. And I think there's going to be more teams involved. We've heard Vancouver. We've heard new Jersey. Their team's going to be interested in these type of defensemen. And I agree. I think one of them will be great for this team. I either mean, Zadora there's a door for Tanev same for the other teams, but I think Calgary, if they're smart, they get more teams involved and it's, Their price only goes up, which is going to cost Brad Trey living even more. He knows both these guys, granted. He knows both of them. Again, it's going to come down to ask. It's going to come down, what did the Maple Leafs want to do, and who are they going to part with? And is a guy like, I'm just throwing his name out there, Nick Robertson. Is he a guy that goes on here? I know he's starting to turn it around, but is he a guy part of this package?
1: I look at a guy like Nick Robertson and say, finally, he's popping. But a lot of people would say, well, finally, he's popping, getting him out the door while he's healthy is probably the smart thing to do. I say yet again, if you have a guy who can play sheltered minutes on a third line with Domi and Yarncrook and really cook when you've been looking for depth scoring, you talk about messing with the room, messing with the chemistry, now who goes and plays in that spot? Now who has that speed and the skill to play with Domi? Then you're messing with that. Does Domi fall off again? Do you have to play a revolving door to figure out what works there? And then do you have to re-go into the trade market and try to find someone who's probably going to be more expensive than the $8.95 you were paying Nick Robertson? I'm always a big, what you're sending out, you better have something already in your system or coming back equivalent to play there. And a lot of people say, well, he doesn't bring that much. Go watch Nick Robertson's skill set. For that third line, yes, he does. And for the amount of time he's been in the lineup, He's starting to find his footing, and he's starting to cook, especially with Domi. Let it be. Let it be. The Maple Leafs are always known lately at the trade deadline to make some moves. Wait until maybe January. See where you're at. Address your needs at that point. But if Laguson still keeps stepping up and Benoit's physical and you have Timmins coming back and Lilligren coming back, you have a plethora of defense all of a sudden, and you want to add more to it. Doesn't make a lot of damn sense at the moment because now you're not hurting. The bleeding seems to have stopped with Klingberg out of the lineup.
0: I agree with that. I think they did too many moves last year at the trade deadline. Granted, Dubis was it was for his job, he was doing, but I think he did too many. And it messed with that chemistry. And they didn't really have a lot of time to like figure out where everybody was. If he made all those moves in like January, at least you have the rest of the regular season to figure out where guys are playing. But at that trade deadline, until the end of the regular season, it, it was a mess, and then R- R- Ryan O'Reilly's out of the lineup. It's just, it was too convoluted. Like you said, sometimes your best acquisitions are your own when they come back from injury, i.e. what the Devils are seeing with Colin Miller. They they Everybody's talking about their defense. Well, Colin Miller solidified that defense right now. They made him better. You get Lilligren and Timmons back. Now let's see what this defense is looking like.
1: By the way, do you remember when there was a certain Connor leading the preseason in scoring? and it wasn't I do. Repeated? It was Timmins. So I'd like to see what he can come out. The Leafs are talking about needing a defenseman who can have that breakout pass, have that zone exit ability. Well, hello, there's a guy right there that was doing that all preseason. Let's see him get back in the lineup and be able to do those things. And maybe, again, like you just said, maybe the homegrown stuff is better than the imported stuff
0: yeah I think so and I'd, I wouldn't trade Nick Robertson right now. I know he might be his values high. I wouldn't do it. The, the, the chemistry and the room is too important. You saw it last year at the deadline. You seen it again this year. Guys are starting to play well. They're starting to build I tell everybody I go to my I go to the Devils. you buy you break up a line of Holtz Meyer and he's sure after a preseason they're playing well. Don't get me wrong. You know, you try to overcoach, you try to overanalyze. I wouldn't touch that offense right now. I tr- And I wouldn't really do anything if I'm Toronto. Wait and see until my guys come back. And then let's look. Maybe a piece here and there, but nothing over the top.
1: No, I'd say nothing crazy. Well, Jim, I want to thank you very much. We've been trying to get this one in for a little while. We finally got her in. And I know there'll be more throughout the season. We'll get you on, we'll talk some more. Leafs and devils when they play each other, but uh, tell everybody where they can find your work, where they can find everything.
0: Yeah, guys, check me out. X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, at Jim Berenger. Get me on there, J I M B I R I N G E R, at Full Press NHL, Full uh, NHL Rumors.com as well. I got some stuff up there. Get me at Full Press Hockey Podcast, Final Word on Hockey Podcast, uh, on LinkedIn, Jim Berger, um everywhere like Jersey Jim 33 on Instagram, Nightcap Recap Instagram. So I'm everywhere. But, guys, uh, James, it's been a pleasure here to be on Offside Hockey Talk. Love doing this stuff. And uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fans, you should be happy with the way William Nylander's playing.
1: Hey, listen, we'll end the show with this one. Pay the damn man and get it done, Trey. Uh,
0: Pay the man because I'm going to tell you right now, if he walks for nothing, you're regretting it. You cannot afford to lose him.
1: No, you can't afford to lose them. Look at the Calgary Flames and Johnny Gaudreau. Something you don't want to see happen. But Leafs Nation, you know what it is around here. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.